Coming up on this episode of Bro, Do You Even Talk Pinball? Uh, we're a little behind, guys, so we're going to talk about the reveal of Jaws. we got a Princess Bride teaser, the American Pinball Rumor Mill, Pinberg Returns, all that and more coming right up. Double Super Jackpot! And now, the Hall and Oates of Pinball Podcasting, Nick Lane and Kevin Manny of Buffalo Pinball. Whoa, boom shakalaka. Hi, everybody. Welcome to It's February. Uh, I'm Kevin. That's Nick. How's it going, everybody? We missed uh, we missed a January podcast somehow, uh, but here we are. We actually have some decent things to talk about, so I think it works out in the end. Yeah, I, w- I, was, uh, I was in Texas one of the weekends. We had league one of the weekends. You were out of town one of the weekends. So that's, uh, that's pretty much the whole month. And, the, you know, it was the holiday at the beginning of this, the month. So lots to catch up on, lots to, d- to talk about. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, let's start by thanking some of our partners. Nick, Nick, would you like to do the honors? Yeah, let's see. All right, so we've got for 2024 two Premier Partners. Uh, joining the Premier Partners ranks... Happy to welcome Flippin' Out Pinball. Flippin' Out Pinball is the only place I consider buying a new pinball machine from. And that's because of just the excellent pricing and even more importantly, customer service from Zach Many. Zach Many is, is he's one of us guys. Uh, loves pinball. Will absolutely take care of you if there's any issues. And Lord knows in pinball there is. Um, very easy to deal with. Highly recommend Flippin' Out Pinball. And then the other premier partner is Pinsidium. Pinsidium coming in back, coming in hot for many... Uh, Many a year now as a premier partner, um, they're lighting kits for your pinball machines. Uh, many options to choose from. The new Pinsidium Neo Atoms are the uh, preferred one because of the low profile. So highly recommend, you know, typically wins mod of the year often. Just a great company overall. Um, and they're also Pinsidium and Flipping Out are giving, are doing giveaways. Um we're going to talk about that in a second. Let's get through the other partners. So other partners returning, it's Comet Pinball. Comet Pinball for LED lights. Titan Pinball for silicone rings and bands. And to replace your pinballs, I would recommend going there as well. As long as tools. Uh, pinside.com and multimorphic.com uh, with the uh, makers of the P3. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Let's talk about let's, some of these giveaways. Let's talk about these giveaways. So first, we've got the Pin Stadium Neil X. Adam, I think it's just the Neil Adam. I don't know if the the X, but regardless, uh, we got Pinsidium Neil, and here's the deal, guys. Uh, Three ninety nine value that Pinsidium is giving away. I I I should probably do the math. It's a lot of work, but I at this point, with all the giveaways that Pinsidium has done, they've given away over five thousand dollars worth of uh, giveaways on this channel. So just uh, excellent, excellent partner. Um, I can't stress that enough. Uh, definitely support the people that support us if you like the show. Um, so you've got that to give away. And then the other giveaway, Kevin, if we go to Flippin' Out, Flippin' Out's got the Stern Jurassic Park player mat. Uh, again, a baffling $90 value that comes from Stern. This is not Flippin' Out, but that's that's what it is. The $90, get a player mat, uh, anti-fatigue mat. 
And then Avengers Affinity Quest Pinball Art Blades valued at $99. So nearly $200 of value from Flippinell. Um, God damn it. We were giving away a lot of, uh, a lot of valuable things this podcast. Thanks to our awesome partners um, who love supporting us. So uh, you can enter in chat the way you do this, Kevin. How do they, how do they have a chance to win this? Yeah, so uh, everybody on Twitch chat. So if you're, we're, we are broadcasting live on uh, YouTube as well, but you got to jump over into our Twitch chat. That's where our, our little robot is running. And you type hashtag win in the chat, and that will enter you into uh, the raffle that we will pull later this uh, this show. So towards the end of the show, we'll pick pick a winner, and uh, hopefully you'll be in. And for those of you who subscribe to the Twitch channel, as an extra way of saying thank you for being a supporter of the channel. Uh, you're two times more likely to be chosen for our uh, raffles than those who do not. Everybody can enter, but if you're a Twitch subscriber, you get a 2x uh, opportunity to win. So thank you to everybody who supports us. All right. Now on with the show. So one thing that we want to do is a little housekeeping here. Um, if you're really observant, you might have noticed that Jersey Jack is not on that sponsorship page. Um, and that's because they're, they're, they're no longer a sponsor. And it's not because of anything bad. Um, I, I think it's, um, how do I want to say this? I, I, I think that we've outgrown the sponsorship or it doesn't make sense anymore. And I want to, uh, first of all, start off by thanking Jersey Jack for just being an incredible sponsor for, for many years and has been super supportive in bringing a lot of, um, content to Buffalo pinball. Um, one thing, um, sorry, Martha's listening to something in there. I want to <laughs> hold on one second. I gotta, I gotta yell. <laughs> I, I can hear Martha doing the uh, the dishes or something. <laughs> All right, Jesus. we're leaving that in. <laughs> the, absolutely, this is what this is. This is amateur hour. All yeah. right, sorry. I, I'm trying to honor Jersey Jack and 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 show my love. So um, let me give you guys some history and and, and an explanation because I don't want to just remove a sponsor and think um, the, the the worst. Um, we reached out to Jersey Jack. I think it was like 2015 or 2016, Kevin. And we just started streaming in 2015. At the time, we didn't have a, a podcast even, I think, when we reached out to him. Um, and said, hey, listen, we we would love to see if we can partner with you. Um, if you want to send us some games, we'll, we've got a, we're one of the few streamers. Uh, we can highlight the game. We can show gameplay. Um, what do you think? And, and Jack was super nice to us, and, and he agreed. So he, I think at that time, he's like, why don't you guys come down to the factory? So we went down, and we streamed The Hobbit. Um, Really, really fun time. Really thing. We took a we took a Hobbit back. Kevin had the Hobbit for a while. I had it for a while. Streamed the hell out of it. Even took it to a Syracuse show, um, and then some other fun things that we did with Jersey Jack is that we would do re- re- uh, gameplay reveals. So we revealed, dialed in. We went down to um, the Jersey Jack factory again and, and had the honor and privilege of doing that. That went very well. And then we uh, probably my personal one of my biggest highlights in pinball was being asked to do the reveal of Jersey Jack Pirates, which is one of my favorite games. I think the game's a masterpiece. Kevin and I went to Pinball Expo, and we did the reveal for uh, Jersey Jack's Pirates of the Caribbean. And one unique thing that we had uh, streaming on Twitch is that uh, it was harder to be a Twitch partner at the time, and it meant a lot more. So we got front-page Twitch time for, for some of these. And like the Jersey Jack Pirates reveal, we were on the front page, right, Kevin? We had... Like roughly how many people off the top of your head was watching that? So I can't remember if we got front page for pirates, but we definitely had it for uh, Wonka and Wonka. We, that was our, definitely our biggest stream. We had like 15,000 okay. concurrent viewers 
for yeah. the longest stream. It was insane. That's concurrent. <laughs> yeah, right? like, that's like the, the total viewers. Like, over the course of the night, we had like two hundred fifty thousand views. It was it was insane. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, at that point, we were we had the podcast, but we were going heavy on streaming pinball, and that relationship made a lot of sense. You know, as time went on, um, more people got into streaming. Jersey Jack started doing their own reveals and, and streaming. It made it, you know, it made sense for them in, in many ways to do their own and, and have a little more control. It was just easier. Um, I think we've started focusing more on the podcast aspect of this, right? Kevin has stopped streaming on, on Mondays. We're doing the bro show sporadically. So I kind of looked at that and said, you know, obviously we love Jersey Jack. We had a kind of an informal sponsorship at the time and said, I think it makes sense to not partner with the, one of the biggest pinball manufacturers as a sponsor. Um, I think it's good for both of us in many ways. Uh, number one, now we're, we're free to do Jersey Jack reviews. We were never, by the way, we were never told not to do Jersey Jack. There's no, this is the most loose sponsorship ever. Um, we always, Kevin and I always chose not to review a game because it made no sense. If we come out and we do a review of a Jersey Jack game when they're a sponsor and we give it like a 10 out of 10, we're going to be accused like, of course, you guys give it a 10 out of 10. Your, your shills, they're a sponsor. Um, and if, and it puts us in a weird position where if we went and said, hey, look, I don't like this game. It's a 6 out of 10 here. Then we could potentially upset that relationship. Um, so now they're on an even playing field with, with Stern. Um, we could talk more about what, what's going on going forward. And I think that, I, ironically, I think sometimes not reviewing their games hurt them because when we would review a game we would create a, a um a, like a thumbnail i don't know what you call it like its own review video on youtube and we would spotlight it and they didn't get that right and and so many of jersey jack games i think are fantastic games that it would have it would have benefited them in that way as well so long story short that's what that's where we're at um i think we're all in a, in a better place uh i love jersey jack one of my favorite manufacturers them and stern are, are the ones i i buy um, that doesn't mean that that won't change and I'll buy other manufacturers, but I think that both companies are producing um, great products that are always competing for my dollars. Both companies have their issues. There's no perfect company. And um, yeah, we can we can strive for what we try to do is just to bring you guys great content to to speak honestly and openly, all driving towards uh, more and better pinball. I'm looking forward to doing some uh, JJP reviews too. I think that one of the benefits we have of of that partnership over the past like seven eight years is that we've gotten extensive time on all of these jersey jack games that maybe not everybody has and i know one of the kind of running jokes when i would stream is like oh rank all the jjp games <laughs> like no i'm not doing that it's so <laughs> and it, you know it's all subjective and we know that but um you know we have a lot of time i've owned a lot of these games um, so we can kind of give a real in-depth uh, analysis of these games once we once we get around to to doing some of these reviews, um, and you know maybe we'll reach out to you know in our we have a a special channel in a Discord for our Twitch subscribers, you know maybe we'll reach out to them and say hey which which one of these JJPs do you want us to review first, uh, and we can kind of go from there. Maybe uh, do you think we start? I like the idea of ranking it. Yeah, you know you you spend you you're you know the JJP games better than I do because you've owned them all except yeah. for except um, for. Uh, Lawless was which spoiler i don't played like. a lot yeah that's why maybe maybe we start off um i think a ranking would be interesting yeah maybe maybe next show so we'll keep that yeah. in our back pocket okay. okay all right um okay so uh, another um another matter i just wanted to uh, wanted to highlight something um 
saw some uh, very unfortunate news last Friday um, that that Scott Kuthis had passed away, and this might many people listening might not know Scott, but certainly many people who are in the competitive scene might. Um, so Dalton Eli, who is a younger, uh, he's a very good player. He's a streamer down in Georgia. Had posted that Scott passed away unexpectedly last Friday, and I, I was, I was just very bummed to see that. Um, the reason being that Scott was one of the first, you know, what do we say, pinball friends I made in pinball. Um, I went down to Pinburg in 2011. That was after I got my first pinball machine in, in like January 2011. So I went down alone. I didn't know anybody in, in, in competitive pinball at that time. The very few people in pinball. And uh, that was Scott's first tournament. And um, I just really connected with Scott. Uh, I think personality-wise, we're, we're somewhat similar. Scott was a very uh, passionate and intense player, but also very, very friendly. And... Um, you know, hit it off of him, made fast friends, ended up even uh, rooming with him at the uh, the next, I think it was the Papa event in the summertime. Um, you know, stayed in touch with him for a number of years, would see him at all the Pinberg and Papas. Uh, he introduced me to Brian Broyles, which a lot of people know from maybe Portal uh, Pinball Arcade, and, and also Brian did a lot of streaming. So um, just wanted to, to highlight that. Because uh, it's definitely a loss to the community. Scott was way, way too young. Maybe, maybe at most he was ten years older than me. So maybe early fifties. I don't even know. You know, I haven't talked to Scott in a number of years just because I haven't been traveling and competing as much. Um, but again, very, very, very friendly guy. Great guy for the community. I was, I was touched to see that. You know, he meant so much to Dalton, who was a younger player. Obviously, he took Dalton under his wings because that's the kind of person Scott is. Um, you know, I, I went down to, I was down for a Georgia Tech game like 10 years ago. I reached out to Scott. He had me over. We got to play his collection. So just very, very bummed. But I, um, part of the moral of that, that story and just highlighting that is that, you know, Pinburg was when I traveled out and really met the pinball community for the first time, at least the competitive pinball community. And, and had I had a terrible experience there, I, I don't know if I would have continued down that road in, in pinball. You know, who knows? But like, when I was down there, I was struck how nice everybody was, and and Scott was the uh, at the forefront of that. So um, condolences. Just letting anybody else know who hasn't heard the heard the news and and uh, know Scott um, IFPA. Somebody did a, a very nice write up a few days ago. So if you go to the IFPA page, you can you can read that. I think maybe it was Chris Compton who did that. I know he provided the photo. So um, sorry to stop on a bummer, but just wanted to highlight somebody who was just really good in the community um yeah okay let's uh let's let's go on the news yeah well said and uh you know thanks for taking the moment to uh acknowledge a, a great person in the pinball community because that, that's one of the one of the things that really stands out about pinball and we'll get into pinberg and stuff later but it's like uh one of the things that really drew me into this um community and this hobby is is just the number of great people you run into so um yeah uh, thanks for acknowledging that all right, let's uh, lots to cover. It's been over a month, so let's let's uh, do some news. Here's the tip. It's the latest pinball news. So hot, it's on fire. All right, let's start off with the big guy, Jaws, the latest Keith Elwin game. Uh, let's go. So Stern announced Jaws in the beginning of January. This was the game they took to um, CES this year. They typically go to the Consumer Electronics Show. 
and uh, show off a brand new pinball machine there. They had a really cool uh, exhibit there like they normally do. And uh, Jaws was the game. It's a great one to show off. It's a, like I said, new design by Keith Elwin. Uh, the pros are level uh, with the last two releases. So Foo Fighters and Venom, uh, it's uh, 7,000 for a pro, 9,700 for a premium and 13,000 for the LE. Game design is by Keith Elwin. Mechanics by Harrison Drake, uh, software by Rick Nagel, artwork by Michael Bernard, and sound by Jerry Thompson. So um, it's a cool-looking game. I kind of like that typically it's been Keith Elwin and uh, Zombie Yeti, so that's been like a com combo package, but I like the the mix-up of the artist with the designer on this one, and I think uh, I think Michael's art style really fits this because, you know, you look at the pro and you've got that classic Jaws uh, backlash with the, you know, that reflects the movie poster, or the, the movie box art. I really like that. Um, and then if you get into the, like the premium in the alley, it's got a little bit more of a, of a design, you know, that a more of a classic kind of pinball design where Jaws is diving through and, and, and a little more action there. But I think for the pro, the one you're going to see on location, that's what you want. You want that iconic jaws uh artwork right on the back glass because that's what everybody recognizes and then we'll we'll give a look back to the alley ellie has the the kind of um movie poster style back glass too but um some different side art um nick what do you think of of jaws what you've seen of it so far uh yeah it's a good question kevin i don't i don't have strong feelings like i didn't look at that and say oh my god i need to I need to get a jaws right like if i'm going to be sold on this game it's going to be because it's an outstanding game that I'll, I'll play and love. Um, never seen the movie. The theme does nothing for me, but it's also the theme's not a hindrance either, right? It's kind of come to it as a blank slate. So, cool. It's a couple of cool things about about the game. I, I I don't know. I don't I don't have a strong emotional reaction. It looks fun to shoot. I like the fin that moves around. Like I'm a fan of like those kind of moving targets, as I've said about Big Buck Hunter before or the crane on the Batman games. That's cool. Upper play field looks cool, little turnaround. So it looks like, you know, I, I, I'm sure Keith delivered. I have no doubt about that. Um, and, and then visually the game looks uh, looks good. Yeah, I like the uh, the kind of like it feels like you're looking out into the ocean when you're looking over the play field. Again, a little less busy on the artwork than a Zombie Yeti game. Um, I, I think it works. It's got some some interesting mechanical tricks. The, the shark fin that pops up and goes side to side looks pretty cool. Um, the, the upper play field uh is so the that's one of the big differentiating features between the premium and the pro uh is the upper play field but it's like you shoot it to the upper play field you take a shot and then you're back off uh it's a real quick kind of um get up there and get out kind of situation um so we'll see i don't know if that will make it less of a draw for upgrading from a pro or if it keeps it from becoming kind of you know i think of when i think of terrible upper play fields i think of stuff like transformers where it's like just get me out of here it's so boring uh and and this is like all right let me shoot it up there make a cool shot and then get back to the the lower play field um it's got that uh one of the other notable features is the little flipper on the kind of like just above the in lanes on the right where you can trap a ball uh and and take your shot side shots what's funny is and uh, i'll talk more about this a little bit later is that i just picked up a road show and Rocho, you can do the exact same thing. <laughs> so it's pretty funny uh, that this came out and everybody's like, oh, look how cool that is, how innovative it is. And it's like, you know, Keith draws, Keith is a well-versed player. So he's played all these games and he knows where to like pull out these neat little tricks that we haven't seen. 
in a long time. And I think that was one of one of these uh one of these little tricks where he's like, Oh, I remember doing that on Rojo. Let's try to kind of bring that back and and see what we can do with it. Um I, I also like that it's only got the one pop bumper on it, like uh, you know, like uh, uh Godzilla does and some of the other uh, more recent games. Um you don't need a nest of three pop bumpers on every game, and I like that they're kind of doing some different things with with pop bumpers lately. Um Sorry, where is the pop bumper there? It's right above the uh, above the uh, little mini upper flipper here. It's kind of there's this lane. So on oh, the right okay. side, it's like mid. It's like yeah. mid right, right okay. to the yeah to the very right of where that shark fin goes. Yeah, I mean that makes, it's it's way more like the three pop bumpers just seems like copy paste. That's what you do, and I I agree with you, man. I think uh, I mean the pop bumper is an a thing to tip. It, it's not being used as a thing to avoid where it's like, sometimes you got to get the ball and pops because you get in, in most games are a hidden number of pops, but it's not dangerous, right? It's not a threat because it's really tucked away in the back, right, back, left. No big deal. It hits it. Like, what is the point of that at that point? Now they're bringing it down and putting it in play where it's a threat or danger. And I think older games did that even in more so like classic games would have the pop up or be more of a threat or uh, something not just tucked away in the back. Yeah, I think for a while there, Stern was throwing them in as a way to make newbie players feel good. Like, oh, shoot it in here, and it moves around, and I get a bunch of points, and I feel good. But it's really just, they're way too safe and boring just to kind of, like, wait for the ball to bounce around in there. So I like the yeah. different stuff's going on. But, you know, the the big uh, the elephant in the room is the shark does not eat the ball, Nick. What are, what's your take on the shark eating the ball or not? We need to know. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> I, I trust Keith and team. You know, like, they thought the game was better if it eats the ball, then we would have gotten that, and it's either just as good if better that it doesn't eat the ball. Who cares? Like, I, I just, I understand that the inclination, like, there is a surprise, oh, it doesn't eat the ball, because it's like, oh, they're making jaws, of course the, the toy is going to eat the ball, right? And when it doesn't, people lose their minds. But just to, like, the people were prematurely, like, making mods for it before they even played the game. That's how important it was that, the fucking toy ate the ball. Like, how many things do we have that have to eat the ball? Like, come on, guys. I, Speaking let's, of Rojo, let's, 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 if, let's trust gonna... Keith. Let's trust Keith. Okay, let's trust him a little bit. If you want a game that eats the ball, get a Rojo. It'll eat the ball two two different ways. Two two different ways. There's your eat the ball game, everybody. And there he is. Uh, and, and the irony is that they include a uh, a ball captive or a, a ball in shark mouth like mod. For location so it doesn't accidentally get stuck in the shark's mouth because it can't the it pro. Could, yeah exactly so it could technically get get stuck in there <laughs> so you gotta, you I mean, really you gotta hit the on the premium ellie you gotta hit the shark like you interact with the shark you gotta yeah, hit he, it he, he pops up out of the play field and then he's a bash yeah 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 that's whatever like <laughs> it's just but i think what's weird is that people like without even playing the game or having it they just start like making mods i mean sure i don't fault the mod makers because they know like these people are gonna buy it but like maybe just chill like maybe just give it a give it a chance see if you really need it to do that and then again do what you want with your games but i don't know man i just <laughs> it's it's insane how i can the, the hobby used to never be like this by the way yeah never it, it was never like this is like the hobby is just like some of the things that are going on with the cheater cheater ramps and really modifying a toy so drastically like is never this way ever it's a uh, you know that's why we have the uh, mods you don't need segment coming up later in the show so stay, stay tuned for all the more mods you don't need so we have not had an opportunity to play jaws yet 
uh looks really fun uh i know there will be some locations around here getting it so uh and some of our friends will also be getting it nick and i do not have plans i i'll speak on behalf of nick i don't think he plans on buying one of these i don't have immediate plans to buy one either no um, no i'm I, I again it's it doesn't draw any kind of immediate emotional pull so if the game is amazing after playing it, it's going to stand totally on its own merits some games I look at and they do have an emotional pull, but this 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 doesn't have. Like Godfather had an emotional pull, even though I don't. I never saw the movies. It just looked like an amazing game after watching it. You know, I saw some of the Jaws gameplay and kind of watched it for five ten minutes and turned it off and moved on about my day. Yeah, it feels like a game you're gonna have to play to kind of really get into. Because yeah. you know, I've I've been playing the heck out of Godzilla lately, and I'm, I'm, if the more I play it, I'm like, this game is really good. And that's, there's a reason yeah. why this this game is is rank so high because it's amazing and jaws could end up being very similar but you know you have to put the time in and, and really figure it out yeah and, and you know speaking of godzilla godzilla is also a game that never did anything emotionally for me either it's really interesting like keith games like i, I look look at them i'm like well i'm going to play it and they, that's where it's going to win me over but just looking at it or watching gameplay or the presentation never never just makes me think oh my god let me get my wallet out i need to have this game I know it's going to be good, right? Like I don't right. doubt it. I know it's going to be good, but it, it's 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 a different kind of burn for me. Yeah, it, it, it's, Godzilla was a slower slower burn for me too. Like I could tell it was going to be good, uh, but just there's something like clicked over the past you know month or so that where I've been playing it, and I'm just like, man, man, this is really fun. <laughs> it is a long playing game though, so it's like you to really see stuff, you have to be at it for a while. Uh, and then obviously, I don't want all of my games to be like that, but that's yeah. Godzilla really nails it. Long playing games are killing killing me right now, Kev. I, yeah. I not I'm not gonna take out the rails too much, but I think again, sorry guys, I'm gonna bring it back to Godfather. Godfather is like a mixed bag where like it could be brutally short, it could be medium and it can be and it can be long. I think it tends to be more like medium and short, and then there is a long game there. But I think they they kind of nailed it perfectly for my taste at this point. Whereas like Man, if I play Zeppelin or if I play Foo or if I play Godzilla, like there's no short games on these. They're all like medium long, at the, for me, for me. Yeah, the uh, uh, I should qualify that in that it's after the most recent code update to Godfather where they really scaled back the ball savers on the multi balls. That's got me playing it even more than I used to because yes, you used to be able to just kind of like string together a bunch of multi balls and plow through the modes. And then when your multi-ball is over, there's probably another one ready to go. And you could jump into that. And, you know, the modes almost became secondary. Where now it's like you really have to focus on being careful with your shots. Um, using the multi-ball strategically. Um, and it, it, you can't just use them as a crutch. So it, that, I've been hitting the start button on that game a lot lately. It's really fun. Uh, so good. Did, did you see my post in uh, yeah. the Godfather <laughs> thing? Where, like, I, I, I got pissed off. Um so like people were like, of course I'm I'm sick and tired. I'm getting sick and tired, guys, about this like babyfication of baby games of pinball, and like look, develop like pinball creators. You don't have to listen to these people. I'm just gonna, you can hear them, but you don't have to just listen to it. Like, so they toned down as Kevin said. Kevin enjoying is enjoying the game even more after they toned down the ball save time and the multi balls in godfather which was a complaint right like by, by by people and i think it is for the better and people are like oh i want you to make the ball save time longer or you i wish you didn't do this and it's just like fucking stop 
You know, I, I'm just going to read what I wrote because I think this is something to reflect on. And I think this is important about the baby games. And I say, I see complaints about how the game is harder with the new code and ball save shorter. Please, to those at JJP reading this, don't dumb down and make this a baby game simply because people don't want to take the time to get better at pinball like the rest of us. Uh, your reward for fighting through a tough game is to make you better over time. And I'm going to add to that. I, what I really mean, too, is like it will make you better over time, but also you're, you get the reward of seeing more in the game over time, right? I, I, I missed that part of it, but that's what I was going for. All right, back to what I wrote. This adds to the longevity of the game. This game is, quote, just right in terms of difficulty, in my humble opinion. Do yourself a favor. Buy an Iron Man. Let it kick you in the teeth repeatedly. Toughen up and get better. Then any other game you play won't seem so hard, including Godfather. I speak from experience. So stop with the fucking... Like, it's everyone's like, hey, I'm new here. I'm new. Can you make the game easier for me? Because I'm new. It's like, no. Like, at what cost? Right. Like, like, come on, guys. Just get better. You And I, and I promise you, you're new now. You're getting kicked in the teeth. You're, you're, you're struggling. Push through that. Because do you, th- do you think you're going to be in the pinball hobby for 10 years, 20 years, maybe 30 years? I don't know, 40 years from now, right? Like, you've got a long time to get better. Your skills will develop and get better. Stop asking for the instant gratification. If you think you're going to see everything in the pinball machine and you've been playing pinball for a year or two, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, you don't want that. You're going to get bored. So stop it. (laughs) Get some help, (laughs) like Jordan would say. Um, Yeah, 100%. And it all comes down to, like, there are ways to modify your games if, if it is too hard. You know, you can close up the outlines a little bit. You can uh, adjust the pitch of the game. You can adjust the tilt bob settings. Um, there are ways that you can kind of ease into it, right? Like, it doesn't have to be a software or layout thing that makes it a baby game out of the box, right? So you can kind of put the training wheels on a little bit, get a feel for how the rules are, because it can be hard to figure out what you need to do, especially on these modern games with tons of rules when uh you're just getting your butt kicked because you don't have the ball control skills or whatever and you're still learning but you know so kind of make it a little bit easier and then over time you can can make it tougher and uh you'll have that satisfaction of of getting to the end because it is if a game's too easy it's not as fun right it's just like you're getting all the reward without any of the risk right you're just kind of like show me all the all the stuff what the hell happened to a sense of accomplishment Right. Does anybody know what that feeling is like? <laughs> it feels fucking great, but you got to lose, 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 fail, 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 fail. And then when you achieve it, it feels amazing. So stop being a baby. Stop cheating. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I, I know JJP and Stern and people are smart enough. And, and these guys create games where, yes, they're definitely, they're definitely listening and making baby, baby game decisions. The games are getting longer, which is unfortunate. Um, but, I think they, they overall do a good job and, and they're cognizant of trying to balance a game where they're showing enough cool stuff where anybody can achieve something cool or have a cool moment while putting depth and, and adding layers there for um, competitive players. So I'm not I'm not terribly worried about that happening, but it, it's worth publicly uh, bringing this up and trying to put things in perspective. I like the uh, Toss Reboot says bring back buy-in. So the, speaking of my roadshow, it, it, that's a game that has buy-in. And it was turned on when I brought it home. And Logan's like, what is this, my son? And he's like, what is, what is that? I was like, oh, yeah, in the 90s, they were trying to like be like video games where you could credit feed the game and just get a high score. So it was like one of the first things I did was turn that off. I was like, you don't need that. Just turn it off. Scores are invalid. Don't, don't set your game to five balls. Uh, you know, that's also cheating. We've been over this before. 
play on three balls and then we can all compare scores you know don't buy don't buy in and then post your score it's just you know it's not a thing yeah RLM said it, I think said it well in chat, you know, depth versus brutality is the hardest thing to get right in a modern game, in my humble opinion. I, I would agree. It's uh it is definitely striking a balance. Um and at the risk of being a broken record, you know, like like some of my favorite era Stern was the Iron Man era and Avatar and Big Buck Hunter and Tron. They purposely looked at games like Spider-Man, which were like our playing games and you know you can never play like a multiplayer game on that if you're good and they were like no we need to stop doing that and they made these brutal games um i almost wish like you know stern made th- makes three games a year one game is of that design philosophy would be nice to balance out the universe but um at least in the short term we're not going to get that yeah, well i feel like uh last year it was uh venom seems to be that game and nobody's buying it so <laughs> this is par- probably part of the reason uh, venom oh. is what is one of the harder playing games, you know. That doesn't. Seem oh, to be that was a baby game, game when I played it. Was it? Yeah, I, don't know. I had a hard time with out of, it. Out of the gate, I was just like, I instantly was just like lasting forever. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> maybe I just suck. No, I, I don't think I you get, suck. I, I don't think, think I don't think you suck. I there think was something you, about the like where the shots were on that game that it was. But I promise you though, it. Kevin. Here's the thing though: like, if you bought that game. Okay, there's there's nothing in that game that's really going to come back at you or pop up in the middle of the play field, right? Like. You're gonna get the muscle memory and be able to hit those shots in your sleep. Yeah, yeah it would just guarantee take, it. Take some practice. Yeah, yeah. Word. All right. Uh, story number two. <laughs> uh, let's talk about. It's gonna the, be a four-hour podcast. Yeah. I'm gonna I mean, go to the we gotta make up times. for last month, so it's it's yeah, been good. It's good true. discussion. Um, so the the big teaser going around right now is of a Princess Bride pinball machine. So this popped up. A couple months ago, they had a uh, a website where you could sign up for. If, are you interested in a Princess Bride pinball machine uh, based on the the movie from the eighties? Um, and so at at the end of the year, they leaked a photo, the first photo, uh, from uh, Nap Arcade, uh, which doesn't show you much. It shows you a captive ball with a little bit of a reflection on there. Uh, you know, the top of like a, a house or a building. Some a little bit of peek at the artwork. Some stand up targets. And uh, if you go to theprincessbridepinball.com, you can get a glimpse at what you would have to assume is going to be kind of the art style of the of the machine, uh, like a hand-drawn art version of, of the movie. You know, this is like at the beginning where, uh, you know, I forget the names of the kids. It's been years since I watched this movie, but, you know, the, the kid's getting the, the book read to him. Um, and then there's a... You can sign up to, to get more information. They also have been putting uh little uh teaser postcards these are go out with the orders from pinball life i think you get these um and there's some the speculation the over overwhelming speculation is that this is going to be a module for the p3 but not by multimorphic it's going to be by a third party so this would end up being the first licensed third party module for the p3 and i I think the uh the silhouette of the game here kind of reinforces that a little bit because if you look at it it has more of a flat bottom, uh, and the the P3 does have more of a flat bottom because there's a lot of mechanical stuff in it that kind of goes makes it sit lower if you look at it than than the rest of your pinball machines. So, you know, assuming this is actually uh, a silhouette of the actual game, then that I that would lend credence to that theory. Uh, I don't have any inside information on this or anything, but um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of Princess Bride as a theme and a possible pinball machine? So you saying this is P3? uh that's the rumor yeah all right 
Well, that's bad news for Jay because I don't see him getting a P3. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I, this is like there should be a company called Gen X Pinball who are just pumping out 80s. We got a Labyrinth and then uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had a call. Uh, Labyrinth uh, P3. Um, sorry, not P3, but Princess Bride. Yeah, I don't. I mean, these themes do nothing for me, but that's cool. It's, I'm I'm. It's a theme. It's gonna do well. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a hilarious movie, and I think it would be make for it would make for a fun uh, for a fun pinball machine. And as a P three owner, I hope it is a uh, multimorphic uh, add on, uh, so I can just grab one and and slap it in my machine and play. So we'll yeah. see. Stay tuned. I'm sure there's going to be more to come on that. But um, yeah, so that is the Princess Bride. Um, all right, let's talk about the next item, which is uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Pedretti Gaming, you may know them from their remakes of 2.0 kits, such as the the Funhouse Rudy's Nightmare, and I forget what the other one was. Oh, World the Whirlwind Total Chaos, they did that one too. Um, they have signed up to uh, kind of expand their agreement with Planetary Pinball. So Planetary Pinball is the current owner of all the Bally Williams rights, uh, so the 90s Bally Williams games. So previously, Chicago Gaming and Haggis had been in agreements with Pedretti to remake full pinball machines like Medieval Madness, Attack from Mars, Fathom, and Centaur. Uh, those agreements have not been changed. They're uh, they're just adding Pedretti on as a third manufacturer to remake '90s Bally Williams games. So um, I don't know. So I haven't been overly impressed with the quality of Pedretti's stuff so far uh, of what I've seen and played. I've also I also wonder how much demand there is for these remakes. It, I, I feel like it made sense when it was a game like Medieval Madness and, you know, 10 years ago it was a repro- approaching $10,000 worth of, uh, on the resale market for the, these 90s games. Attack from Mars was kind of in that same ballpark, but they're running out unless they're going to just keep cranking out these Medieval Madnesses and eventually the bottom will fall out on those too. Um, there, I guess there's games like uh, a Theater of Magic is probably one that would do okay. I, I like I would love a Whitewater remake, but Whitewaters don't sell for that much, I don't think. And the only thing is, like these games never play like the originals, so that's that's kind of my biggest uh, holdup with with some of these. I anytime I play an original Attack from Mars, like we were at Matt's house the other day, I played his original Attack from Mars. I'm like, this game plays great. And then you play one of the Chicago gaming remakes and they look great, but they, there's just something about how they play that is not the same. Yeah. Uh, so that holds me back on, on buying games like this. I agree. It's, it's too bad. You got to get the feel right. You know, yeah. you got to get it. You got to like put like a blindfold on somebody and like, does this feel like the other game? Right. And in a, a blindfolded test and be like, which one is the remake? And when you get everybody being able to not be able to discern what the remake is, then you win. But if they can do that, then uh, then you've lost. You got to do the uh, the Pepsi challenge with the, with the remakes. <laughs> uh, another another Gen X comment from go. Kevin. <laughs> I'm leaning in. I had my birthday the other day, so I'm leaning into the old age. Um, all right, so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, it makes me think about Haggis too, and like what the hell's going on over there. I haven't really been keeping tabs on it, but I jump in the pin side thread every once in a while, and man, they promised uh fathom and then they jumped in and they announced centaur and it just feels like they're not cranking out like any games (laughs) so uh 
not knowing all the the details of what's going on right now, I won't s speculate further than that. But th there definitely seems to be some some questionable things going on over there. Where and, there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, exactly. It's it it's like they keep taking money, and games don't seem to be coming out. What's going on? So uh, I would be uh, cautious if you're planning on buying a game. Would be my advice right now. And only and you say this because we've we've seen this before. We've seen how it ends, right? Like so, this is based on past experience. Yeah, yeah, we've seen this movie before. Right? <laughs> you've seen it, yeah, yeah, many many times. Mm -hmm. All right, on the opposite end of things, let's uh, let's talk about multimorphics. Uh, I don't, Nick. We talked about this a little bit in our chat that we have going on Facebook, but um, if you remember back in like late late twenty twenty three. Uh, Multimorphic decided to, they were getting ready to announce their uh, their second module for the year. They did Final Resistance earlier in the year. They were scheduled to do two in 2023. And they they kind of took a step back and decided to reevaluate, reassess uh, some of the quality uh, of some of their production based on feedback they've received from owners, you know, based on some of the um, uh, like support that they had been doing for, for current owners of the P3, they said, let's step back, let's do a full quality review, and, and then we'll we'll launch the game after that. So as a result of this quality interview, uh, they re they put out an email er earlier this week that contained a bunch of updates. So um, uh, I'm going to uh, Nap Arcade for this. They, they kind of did a good summary of of the email. Uh, very detailed. If you go to Pinside, there's a, a, a full reposting of, of Jerry's email, but uh, let me read through some of this for you. So... Uh, after re reaching a production capacity of 10 P3 machines per week, so 520 machines a year, that's pretty good, uh, Multimorphic has expanded its production facility by 5,000 square feet. The new space will enable it to increase its machine and playfield production in 2024. So good to see the growth there. Uh, Multimorphic continues to work through its build queue for final resistance. Uh, it is currently on batch six. Uh, they, are, they recently completed the full quality review and have implemented the following improvements. So... The ATX power supply in the back box is being upgraded to a gold certified ATX power supply. All P3 owners are going to receive that power supply for free. They're just going to ship this out to all current owner registered owners of the P3. Uh, welded flipper and slingshot pivot brackets had inconsistent quality. That's one of the things they found. Uh, design specs have been updated. Issue has been discussed and corrected by our supplier. And all P3 owners will receive free replacements for all lower playfield flippers and both slingshots. Uh, some of the coils had premature failures. Those will be replaced, uh, under warranty, uh, and a stroke switches can fail. So they're sending all owners replacements free of charge. Um, high stress 3d printed parts are being replaced by aluminum or injection molded parts. So that's, that's a huge upgrade in my, in my eyes. Um, all, so others are being updated to more being more resistant to over tightening and vibrational stress, all P3 owners will receive a number of upgrade updated parts for free, including aluminum flipper bats for the side target assemblies. So those are the, the traditional like standard upper upper flippers. Most of our remaining 3D printed files will be made available for download on our support site. So you can just print out um, replacement parts as you want. If you have a, a, a 3D printer of your own, you can just print your own parts. Uh, they updated some of their assembly guidelines and QC processes in an attempt to discover more Assembly mistakes, such as missing thread locker on installed screws early in, in the production process. So that's on their end before you even see any of this stuff. They're going to they've made improvements in their uh, assembly processes. Uh, 
and they're switching to palletized freight shipping for the heavier playfield module. So Heist and Weird Al are going to ship on pallets versus just shipping in boxes by themselves through UPS because they were seeing uh, damage coming through on some of those. So um, again, they're going to ship those replacement parts free to existing owners and uh, they're moving forward with their next game. Uh, one of the, so here's a, here's a photo of their uh, expanded space. Currently they just have it kind of have it staged with uh, a bunch of parts and stuff without they're going to use that to improve their production. Uh, there it is with nothing in it. And then one of the other pieces of feedback they received was for modules that use the upper flippers. Um, their side target artwork is now going to be cut out. So, uh, folks were having trouble seeing where the upper flippers were. I never really had a problem with that, maybe because of my height or whatever. I was always kind of able to see the edges of the flippers. I also had put red flipper rubber on my upper flippers, which probably helps with that. Um, but now you'll be able to buy side target artwork without with cutouts of words so you can see the full flipper. So that's, that's a nice like, oh, we heard our feedback from our customers. Here's an easy way to kind of remedy that situation. So um, I feel like this is an example of a company doing it right. They... Um, they're, it wasn't all talk. They, they, they're taking action to improve their production, their quality overall. I think it, it kind of lends to the overall business model of Multimorphic. Like they sell a machine and they want you to be able to keep playing on that machine so you can buy more modules. Like That's their whole business module. So it's in their best interest to make sure their customers are happy and that their machines are playing well so you'll buy more uh, products in the future. So um, happy to see them uh, making these moves. Uh, you know, in my mind as a PR person, the best PR is backed by action. So you don't just say you're going to make things better. You actually do make them better. And then, you know, you build that trust and you, the, the goodwill with your customers through situations like that. So, uh, kudos to them. Um, they've also been doing this countdown. I don't know. Before I move on, Nick, any thoughts on that? Any, any feedback on, on that? No, love to see them humming along, you know, every, new release from the p3 makes the pre p3 more of a, a good value proposition makes it more attractive to buyers like myself maybe who have held out on the p3 these develops these the watching the company mature and get better over time which they should be doing uh makes it more uh, of an attractive purchase you know i'm i'm still not there with the p3 the thing is heavy as fuck um I, i'm still like i want to get you know uh traditional pinball machines but you know, I could see myself owning one one day when I maybe have an easier solution and more space. You know, I don't have to contend with stairs. And yeah. at that time, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see them humming along because maybe they're on the P3 V2 of a model. You know, so I, I want to see them being successful. I want to see them being profitable. I want to see them continuing to improve on what they have. Um, so I, I, I continue to watch these developments, and I'm glad that I have now, like, <laughs> you own it. Uh Matt owns it. Dave owns it. I'm the only one kind of in our in the, uh, the group that chats a lot that doesn't uh, have a P3. So I'm glad I get access to it. Yeah, you get to play it a lot, and we get to you know share modules with each other at League Night. We kind of all trade and swap. It's it's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> I kind of love it. It's like the the vision of the P3 come <clears throat> come to life. So uh, really fun. Happy to see them uh, some doing well and expanding. Um, another thing they've been doing is they've been counting down. So they have. Uh, on all their social media channels, they've been running uh, Meet the Games. So recently, they they hit ten, 20 games on the platform between digital uh, software add-on games and physical modules. So that was a huge milestone, and they're they're doing 
every every business day i think i don't think they're doing it on the weekends they're doing a meet the games uh thing starting all the way back with um with lexi lightspeed and they've they've currently i think they announced uh they kind of like checked off final resistance so they're getting close to the end and the rumor and speculation is when they get to the end of all the meet the games they're gonna announce their next game so look forward to that um can't wait to see what's next makes sense because they were kind of slotted to do this game in the fall when they were uh when they decided to take that step back and do the quality review. Um, so stay tuned for more cool stuff coming. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to slap a new game in the P3. Maybe two, if princess bride ends up being a P3 game too, that could be two, uh, two new games coming here pretty quick for, for P3 owners. So looking forward to that. All right. Uh, other, uh, recent pinball manufacturing news is, uh, Chicago gaming, Nick Lane. This is one of, uh, uh Nick's uh, current games that he's got on order, the Pulp Fiction, yeah. is on the line at the factory and says games are now shipping. So they kind of hit a huge milestone here. That I don't technically have it on order, but I'm I, I'm gonna I'm pl- 100% planning on getting. One oh, I thought you had it deposited on one of these. No, 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 no. All right, no. Well, I will hold that's on. That's because you're money. a smart guy. You're a smart man, dude. Put your if you want a game, wait till it comes out. Put that money earmarked into a money market fund at the minimum. Get five percent more back, and uh, yeah, don't 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 give your money to someone to hold on to. These it's just crazy. But do what you want. But you have you to, are. you know, these, this is that's all the people who have to have it immediately. Got to have it now. Well, what's going to happen is so people are going to buy this. The, the early adopters are going to have them, yeah. and they're going to hit the market. Like they're going to get bored of them and sell them. And you know, you you could probably get a used one before you'd even uh, be in the line to uh, even if you're in that first batch of buyers. If you really wanted one that fast, you could probably grab a, a used one even faster than buying a brand new one. So, um, I agree. But you know, they're they're cranking them out. Uh, it has not been quick. That's been a thing with Chicago gaming is that it seems like they take a long time to kind of crank their games out, but they build a quality product to when they do. So, um, and they have, obviously they're, uh, you know, um, raw thrills is a huge company. So they have the resources to put into making a, a good game and, and making sure it comes to market. So, uh, and everybody hopefully has had a chance to play this game at shows and things like that because it has kind of made the rounds over the past year. So you had the opportunity to try it out. And if, if you like it, go grab it. Um, another kind of interesting development has been this, uh, in the JJP world, has been this enhanced IO uh, board. So kind of over the past, uh, I don't know, ever since Toy Story came out, there was the the feel that the flippers had been improved, but nobody could really justify and <clears throat> improve it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, and I see these are out of stock on Pinball Life now. Um, and somebody spotted that on Pinball Life, there were these JJP fully populated IO boards. Uh, and the description is updated direct replacement driver board for Jersey Jack Pinball machines, starting with Toy Story. Suitable replacement for Guns N' Roses and prior machines, with the exception of Wizard of Oz. This I.O. board is the latest revision and may improve flipper performance in older machines. We recommend reducing coil strength and installing in in Guns N' Roses and machines prior. So so what they're saying is, you know, this is the board that's been in all of the machines since Toy Story. Um, And you can use it. You can take it and put it in your older machines and it it may improve the flipper performance. So uh, the folks on Pinside were like, well, it says it may improve it. Does it actually improve it? 
So I've been following this since, you know, it's been you know, 31 days ago over the past month. And kind of the overwhelming uh, consensus is that it does. It makes a significant improvement in not only flipper strength, uh, responsiveness, but um, flipper fade over time. Keeps keeps the flippers feeling strong for longer periods of time. Um, so, and a lot of folks have, uh, t- instead of buying the whole board, they are uh, just upgrading capacitors. So if that's something you want to do, um, if you follow through this um, thread, people have been they've identified the capacitors that are on the new boards and they're they're going through and people have been uh you know put together instructions on how to do it uh let me see here here's some of the um they have these little risers the like 3d printed risers because the on the older boards these bigger capacitors don't fit directly on the boards so you have to desolder add this little spacer and then solder on the uh the capacitor so if you want to do it for for 20 30 bucks you could just do that or you can go and grab the the full board apparently uh, just replacing the capacitors is not the only improvement on the board. Um, I won't reveal names, but in the Buffalo Pinball Discord, we had some inside info in that if replacing the capacitors will get you about 70% there as to the, the performance improvements you get from just replacing the whole board. But um, if you want the full, full, uh, I don't know, the, the, all the changes, you want all the improvements, um, the full experience with this board, uh, it's worth grabbing the board so the my i decided i was watching this i was like is it actually going to make much of a difference and apparently it does so i've taken a oh and nick nick went to the bathroom (laughs) spoiler nick's gone um i ended up uh grabbing a uh one of these boards um so the um the only game i have left in my collection that doesn't have this board is pirates i sold my dialed in earlier this month um so i decided for with a game like pirates i wasn't going to take any chances i'm going to um go ahead and just grab the board and uh so it's shipping it's on its way right now i'm glad i grabbed it because it's out of stock at, at pinball life now um and i'm i will report back on the on what i feel like uh the improvements are so um stay tuned uh nick Nick, you'll, I want I want Nick to like play his pirates at home and then come play mine with the new hundred uh, percent flipper uh, board on it and see if we can tell the difference. I've never thought that pirates had like oh it needs to be snappier. And one fear that like so I didn't I didn't I'm not searching for to fix my pirates. And I also am like, um, well, will pirates stand up to stronger flippers like bashing things around? Because that was that that game didn't have like major um issues with the play fields chipping but they they can chip a little bit so i i don't know i mean i'm I'm cool with where i'm at but i'm glad you're you're experimenting i hope i don't like it kevin i hope i'm <laughs> in time because i you know it's it makes life easier and i save some money that's where i'm yeah, at with. so i'm play. i will probably just like get the board and then reduce the flipper power right and get it where no, it's yeah, like maybe playing a little bit stronger than normal Apparently, it also like increases the responsiveness of the the pop uppers and the slingshots. Hopefully, not a, as much on the slingshots because the slingshots on pirates are fucking insane. They're like crazy powerful. Um, uh, but yeah, the the like uh, if it improves like flipper fade, that would be good for the longer playing games and stuff like that. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. If if I don't like it, I gotta swap the other one back in and sell it. So um, all good. Let's get let's give it a go. Um, so that is that that's something to look out for uh in the spooky camp they put out a new topper for scooby-doo 
we will have a new topper talk at the end of this episode it is not about this one spoiler alert so we're going to talk about it um so it's a new custom artwork by artist brad duke interactive sliding bookcase mechanism sculpted by back alley creation a secret lcd video screen rgb led light show uh with a brand new villain footage there's like a topper mode like man all all the all the hot topper action you could possibly want um so there it is man that is a tall you got to have some huge ceilings to fit this topper in your in your game room that is a tall topper um and there it is opened up with the, the screen uh revealed it looks pretty small it looks like like okay these pictures are pretty close that's like take your like iphone plus and put it on your back box can you actually see what's, what's on that screen it's not very big so if you're trying to play a uh a mode on there i don't know it's like it's like that uh houdini mode where you're like throwing stuff or like uh what's the one on junkyard with the, the toast and the dogs it's kind of like that we're just trying to hit stuff so um i'm sure it's playable but it is a pretty small screen for being it's going to be really far away from the player so it's a thousand dollar topper if you're looking to uh Add a thousand uh, dollar topper to your Scooby Doo. Uh, there you go. Uh, I will not because I am not a Scooby Doo owner. Um, up next, Pinberg is back, baby. So we talked about this a little bit last time, where uh, there is uh, the Papa Channel had put up a teaser, and they did they didn't exactly say what it was, and we were like, is it going to be Pinberg or Papa or what's going on? Um, so they did announce over the past month that Pinberg is coming back. It's July 25th to 27th. It's at an esports facility in Pennsylvania, so it's not going to be the full replay FX uh, situation with you know a whole show and the tournament. It's obviously not at the Papa f- facility anymore because that doesn't exist. Uh, but it's brought to you by some of the folks who used to run it. So Doug and Elizabeth and and a bunch of the other crew from Pinberg are back. They're running the the tournament. Uh, only 144 players so super limited uh they did eventually add uh additional super supporter tickets uh where if you paid a thousand dollars you could get your ticket earlier and you also got some other perks like having uh the opportunity to buy future Pinberg tickets before everybody else so it's kind of a cool um thing you could do if if you really want to play in Pinberg every year um i decided kind of at the last minute i was like all right i'll give this a shot and I'll see if I can get in if I can. Cool. If not, whatever. And, and lo and behold, I was one of the lucky ones who was able to get in. There I am on the on the list. So uh, very, very excited, even though it's not going to be the same. Um, this is like my favorite tournament of all time, even if it's just going to be a fraction of what it had grown to before COVID and all that kind of like took it back. You know, it's been five years since this tournament took place very stoked that's why i decided to, to give it a go and uh you know i'll report back on and how it goes and what we think it, how it compares to past events it definitely will not be the same because part of the pinberg experience was just everybody was there like all of your pinball friends people you would only see once or twice a year especially with with buffalo pinball like we had streamers from all over the the country who we would get together and and all hang out there and you know people who know us from the show would say hi and um you know other tournament players that you only see once or twice twice a year and having the experience of being in the city and just it, was, it always felt like pinball summer camp to me so very very excited to be back hopefully this will help them grow back to what it used to be and 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 looking forward to it i just i can't wait i'm very excited 
Nick, any any Pinberg thoughts? Uh, no, looking forward to hearing how it is. It's it's to me, it's not. It's Pinberg in Pinberg name only, because Pinberg means a very different thing to me versus what this is. But hopefully, this leads back on the track of uh, to its glory days. Yeah, I just love the the whole format. So it's like getting a, to play a bunch of pinball over the a few days, playing in these groups getting put in your skill division, you know, so even though it's not going to have that other aspect of it, it still will have that, that format structure that I really love. So how um, many people is 140? You said one, 144, I think. Okay. Yeah, so the, the first one I played in, in 2011, I don't think it had a player cap, but I think there was like 183 players. Okay. So yeah, a little, which was little fun. It was a lot of fun there. at that. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So there you go. All right. Uh, I think that's it for the, the, Oh, let me give, I want, I want to just give one shout out. Um, shout out to the pinball party podcast. Um, Jason over at pinball party was kind enough to reach out to me and, uh, ask if I wanted to be a part of his, he did a 12 days of Christmas, uh, run of shows and I got to be episode seven. So go check out pinball party. It's from the end of 2023. Um, it was fun to be on there and I kind of prompted, uh, one of the questions he asked was, uh, what are you most looking forward to? in 2024 in pinball and i said i thought about it for a minute and i was like you know i'm really looking forward to what mark seiden is doing so mark was the younger designer that jjp hired and he's been there for a couple of years now so i'm like it's got to be getting pretty close to uh his time to be up to present his game and i said and he's like well i'm gonna have ken on from jjp uh uh coming up next i was like ask ken if uh, Mark's game is going to be next. And sure enough, he asked him and he said, yes, Mark's game's coming out in 2024. So, um, looking forward to that. Can't wait to see what it is and, uh, go check out that episode of pinball party. He does a great job. So thanks, Jason. Uh, speaking of Jason, uh, one of the things he broke that kind of, uh, blew up the pinball world <laughs> was during his podcast. Um, he, Oh, I, I'm on the wrong story here. So he, I dropped a news bomb. <laughs> he said uh, his guest received a text during the show that Amtron, the parent company of American Pinball, was, quote, looking for a buyer for the pinball division. <clears throat> so this blew up and everybody started talking about uh, American Pinball is going out of business, blah, 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 which to to Jason's credit and to Kaylee Hernandez's credit, that's not what they said. They said Amtron is looking for a buyer, which would indicate that they're trying to stay in business. They're just trying to find an investor, right? Um, it, maybe, maybe that's what that means. Or maybe it looks like they're just trying to get out of it. You never know. But it didn't. they didn't report that they were going out of business. People just kind of like took that and ran with it to the next level. So um, they, and Nick, stop me any, at any point if you want to jump in on any of this. But um, in response, American Pinball planned a live stream uh, on Twitch. They launched their own new Twitch channel. Uh, where they said they had huge news. They were going to drop all this, this amazing new news. Um, where So basically, they ended up coming down to two announcements. One, uh, apparently their service tech had left at the end of the year, and one of their big announcements is that they were hiring Lloyd from LTG. Uh, actually, L Lloyd the Great, you know him from Pinside. He's been around forever. He rides at Lorenz SS Billiards, uh, former tech of JJP. And I don't know if he's teched for other companies too, but uh, hired uh, him and a, a, a guy named Maurice will also be doing um, tech for AP. Uh, the second announcement is that they were doing, doing their own pinball board system. So they've pan 
spent the past year or so developing their own board system. Currently, their games use the Multimorphic P3 Rock board system. Um, and for some reason, they decided they didn't want to do that anymore. I guess it makes sense because Aimtron, their parent company, it manufactures uh, printed circuit boards. So in some ways, it does make sense. Uh, on the other hand, does it make sense to put all of this research and development into developing your own board set when you've already got a solution that works? In the long run, maybe it pays off because your your cost per unit goes down. You don't have to buy from a another uh, developer, another supplier. <clears throat> so I don't know. <laughs> those are the big those don't strike me as huge announcements either so they built up all this excitement to be like we we put a new board set in and we also uh hired some service techs i was like <laughs> on discord i was like the, only in pinball would the uh, hiring of a service technician be, be considered big news <laughs> like like oh samsung uh my my refrigerator manufacturer oh they got new service technicians great they're not gonna do a whole announcement about it they're just gonna do it and provide a customer uh, a level of support that you come to expect right and people and people wonder why we only do a once a month podcast you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these are the big yeah. news this is the fucking news folks. Yeah. uh so nick i'll kind of let you take it from there i know you got some some thoughts on all this yeah you know i mean we've 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 talked a lot more about american pinball that we have in the past and i th- I think um um our response to galactic tank force you know was 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 interesting right it caught a lot of attention because they certainly wanted a lot of attention with that and made a splash with it for better or for worse and i'm always interested in like pinball from like a, bi- a business perspective so I, I i saw that rumor and i was like yeah whatever it's 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 a rumor i didn't think much of it you know, I think last year around the time that GTF was announced, I said, look, I, I could see American Pinball going out of business in two years. So I was like, okay, I could see why somebody might buy into that rumor or think about it just because I, I think from the outside looking in, some of the things that they're doing doesn't make sense. But then you have to also take into account that like from the outside looking in, you don't have all the information, right? Like you can you can try to make sense of it. And that's what we try to do, right? We try to predict things, make sense, think, try to acknowledge what we think is working, what's not, and have a discussion around it because I think that's interesting. And then I saw that uh, Dave was on, Dave Fix was on the Pinball Profile, Jeff Diolis' podcast. And uh, it's kind of like the Streisand effect where I was like, well, okay, now you're, you're continuing to talking about the rumor, you're going to address it. Let's see what Dave has to say. And for con- I think I got to give this context, Kevin, like, um, you know, earlier I mentioned that Scott Kuthais was like one of the first people I met in pinball or maybe the first competitive person I met. Well, well Dave Fix was the first person I ever met in this pinball hobby. Uh, when I got my Ironman in January 2011, um, I got referred to Dave as a because I needed help repairing my pinball machines. I didn't know what I was doing. So I got referred to Dave and I gave him a call. And within one minute of the conversation, I just want my, my game repaired. He's telling me about his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I have like a lot of day fixed stories that we don't have possibly an amount of time for that. But, uh, you know, I became, I ended up becoming friends with Dave and Dave was very nice. He came over and fixed my, my pinball machine. Dave was very passionate about pinball. Uh, he's kind of really interested in the historical and, and the history of pinball. Um, didn't charge me for it. It was just, it was just really cool. And I, I think I asked him, I was like, Hey, I'm really eager to learn more about this. Can I come along with you on repairs or whatever? And is there anything I can do to, to help? I think months later he called me and um, went to help pick up a pinball machine somewhere. And then 
again, I, I developed a, a friendship with Dave. Dave started storing pinball machines at the house I was living at, at the time. And I would work with him to help repair these machines. Usually I'm just holding a flashlight or handing Dave tools. Um, but you know, there was a point in time where, uh, Dave was probably coming to my house once or twice a week. You know, we would go on trips to pick up machines together. So long story short, I probably spent like five years where I was interacting with Dave fix a lot. So I, I know him quite well. So it's, it's, it, it's interesting to talk about what's going on in American pinball because I, I know Dave from that perspective. I really haven't talked to him in like in five years much. I only maybe hopped on the phone one time. So I've kind of lost track and touch with him. I remember um, the, the first time I met you, Dave Fix was there. You had that brand yeah. new uh, ACDC yeah. machine. I came to your house. You were kind enough to invite folks over to play it. And Dave Fix was there. I was like, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> 100%. 100%. Um, love Dave. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a character. Um, oh, yeah. Totally. You know, Dave, Dave and I, Dave would always like, Dave likes to bust balls. He busts my balls. I bust his. So, um, again, I haven't talked to him for a long time. But so I, I mentioned that because when I hear about what's going on in American Pinball and I hear in an interview, I, I kind of I kind of know Dave's personality, and um, it's also harder to talk about American pinball because if we're saying negative things about it and Dave's making decisions, then it's like, well, you know, there, there's that aspect of it. But but here we are. So I listened to that interview. I was really interested to uh, um, try to understand what's going on with them, and um, I, I kind of I'll kind of break it down and give my thoughts, and then I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about it because you haven't listened to it, right, Kev? I, so I listened to the Pinball Magazine, Pinball um, uh, News podcast. And so he did, <laughs> when I, I had a long road trip to go pick up my uh, my road show, uh, uh, conveniently enough. Uh, so I listened to that. And uh, yeah, he's, it was longer. It was pretty long. So I, I have some thoughts from that. Okay. So the, the point of the interview, I think, was kind of um, to address the rumors, you know, and um, I think... Jeff asked some good questions, but I think some things were on the table and sort of begged the question. So we'll kind of go through some of the highlights of that that I picked up and took some notes. Um, when you asked about the rumor of American Pinball, Dave said they're 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 not for sale. Quote: Doing fine, doing very well. Um, and then Dave speculated on where the rumor might have come from, and he acknowledged that they've been talking to investors. So here's the here's the thing. This to me, this begs the question, right? That that wasn't asked. Okay, why are you talking to investors? You know, Dave didn't say that. The question wasn't asked. Like, there's two reasons you would talk to investors, right? You told me like um, earlier in the story we talked about um, P3. Sounds like they're doing well. They're expanding their facility, right? Like, you might be doing well and you can't handle the orders, so you need to generate some capital so you can grow and get to that next level. That's one reason. Or the other reason is you're running out of money and things aren't going well. And you need to talk to investors to save it. So I would imagine if things were going great, you know, potentially he said, no, no, things are going so good. We're growing. We need to expand. We're actually talking to investors so we can grow our facility. That wasn't said. So, you know, to me, that doesn't, I think maybe they thought that interview was, was great and well, but it, it, to me, it, it just sheds more light on the rumor that things aren't, aren't exactly well, but you can draw your own conclusion from that. It just, again, that, that was my first takeaway. Um, you know, Dave, Dave, Dave says multiple times that he's a collector first. Um, he mentioned that, I think, on the podcast you mentioned, Kevin, and he mentioned yeah. on this. He's very adamant, um, likes to support what's going on in pinball, and that's true. Dave is a 100% collector. I think Dave said somewhere that he has like 150 pinball machines. I don't 
I know Davis has a lot. You know, maybe be, be, be about ten percent of those are working that he's got. I, I kid, <laughs> I kid. It's probably twenty five percent. I kid again, Dave. This is the kind of jokes that you know I would bust Dave's balls with. But um, yeah, he, he totally, totally is a pinball fan. Totally is a collector. I just again from that I take away. It's like that's all fine and well, but I don't, I don't know if the decisions being made are are from a prudent business standpoint, right? So that's kind of the clout that I look at this. Um, you know, so here's the, here's the, here's the question, Kevin, that I uh, don't know. And I would invite anybody in the pinball industry to kind of illuminate this for us. If you want to reach out, you can reach us at uh, talkpinballgmail.com. You can, this is be totally anonymous. I, I would verify that you know what you're talking about, but I'm happy to share with viewers because we don't have this information. And I'm not just talking about American pinball in general. I am curious to know generally how many pinball machines does a company have to sell to be profitable? Now, there's going to be a difference between doing an original license and a license game and even what the license is. Some licenses are more expensive, but I, I really want to know. Um, you know, he talked about Jeff and him talked about like they they sold out of Valhalla, and I think the original run of Valhalla was 250. So if they're setting a goal of selling 250 Legends of Valhalla machines, I guess that like okay, they're that's a win, right? They can sell 250. They're they're making money at that point, <clears throat> and it's that's not a licensed game, so they don't have to sell as many as Stern would have to sell if they get Jaws, right? Stern has to sell a lot more. Stern also has a lot more overhead because they got a lot more employees. So that's something interesting. That's something that this is like. You know, outside looking in, we don't know. We can only speculate. Um, also, a good deal of the interview was talked about the new boards, which Kevin mentioned. Um, Dave, again, kind of circles back to as a collector, he wants to make these boards compatible. That's important for him, which is which is true. But was also said in there, and again, reading between the lines, he said, like, they started the venture in May, but it, quote, ate up a lot of bandwidth. So they spent, they invested a lot of time on this. And then from, from my perspective, it's like, did you need to do that when there's other things you could be could be doing, right? I, I don't know. This takes time. Um, he mentioned that, you know, there's his, his team is small many times. There's only a few engineers. Quote, there's a lot more to do on GTF, and they also got to still do work on the new board. So, right, like, it's just it's just a, a question of, of priorities, which, again, you know, you listen to it, and, and it all sounds good. But then you're left to ask yourself questions like, does, does this make sense? Um, yeah, you have to wonder if that's the best use of their time and energy and resources when that's not something that's going to generate revenue right away. In the long run, you may end up see, saying, you know, generating extra margin on your machines because you're not spending as much on your board sets. But to me, uh, you're better off spent investing in the next game is if this ended up, you know, taking staff time and energy away from your next game, you know, is that the right decision to make? I don't know. I'm not running the company, but to me, it doesn't seem like a, a, a super smart decision. But again, there are, there are things that, you know, I don't know uh, in this situation. Right. Right. And you can only, you can only look and, and, and speculate. And that's what we do. And um, certainly invite people in the chat to give their thoughts. And, and again, I would love for somebody in the industry somehow to reach out and I would love to have a, a kind of a private conversation and, and share under the, um, cloak of anonymity. If I can verify that the person's legit, just to talk in general about the business and how that works and get their thoughts. Okay. So the, um, the really interesting thing to me, and this kind of gives insight to how they think or how Dave's thinking as he's steering the company is, um, he's the question about original themes. 
Now, we've talked about original themes through the years for many times, right? Like, I think the industry is in a place where if you're going to do an original theme, you're, 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 on, you're operating on hard mode. This is my take. You're operating on hard mode. You know, you look at a company like Spooky. Spooky started off with, like, you know, an original theme, but they progressed to license, right? They, they got a base hit, and they build up to getting there. Um, Jersey Jack tried an original theme because everybody clamored for original theme and dialed in. And I think dialed in is a great game, but the theme is divisive. And people didn't buy dialed in because the theme was dialed in. I mean, very small percentage of people did that. So that put them behind the eight ball. If that was a themed license, that game would have been a much bigger hit and success. I have no doubt. Stern did an original theme with um, uh, Black Knight, right? And and it's like, yes, it was it was the third in the series, but it's an original pinball theme that they're building off of, and that didn't do well. So you got to look at that and saying that all these companies they could they could do an original theme or choosing not to. Why are they not doing it? Because they just it's a huge risk. It's it's it, you, even though you hear people say, "Oh, I want here's my here's my meme and my joke." Somebody needs to make this this meme for me. Who's more creative? Um, you know, somebody inevitably on Facebook or in Pinside will say, "I want more original themes." Right? They're saying that, and then mm-hmm. the next thing is you show a picture of original theme like GTF, and then be like, "But not that original theme." <laughs> right, right. Right. You substitute GTF for any other thing. It's that, yep. that's always how it is. People say they want it, but and an original theme is like limitless. You can make an original theme. They've done it like on a cell phone. You know, as people joke about with dialed in, they've done it on GTF. There might be like this food truck game that's coming out from American pinball. That's rumored to come out. You do original theme on hacky sack, right? Like it just like, how, how are you going to get it right? This is original theme is going to reson- resonate with a lot of people. So, all right, that's the kind of context to thoughts on, on original theme. Now in the interview, Dave, points out why they're doing original themes and there's it comes down to two things he says using the ipdb so the internet pinball database dave looked at the top 10 rated solid state games and he said look out of the top 10 solid state games five of them are original ips now first of all kevin these are all 90s games I know what's wrong with this logic what do you think is wrong with this logic i'm just i'm gonna pause for kevin's participation here well, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I actually I did I do remember hearing this segment, and I have a uh, a point that uh, we'll see if you make it or not. But yeah, these are '90s games. They're built on nostalgia. So like, um, you remember going to the arcade and playing these games. So there is a built-in audience for these games for for the folks who were going to the arcades then, right? So it's not an original theme to somebody who already has a connection with the specific game. They're just remaking these games that are. Uh, they're they're proven hits by uh some of the best designers out there and they have you know some of the 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 nostalgia pull for the folks who remember these games already yeah totally but i mean what was there's two things that the first thing that was glaring to me is that you're trying to apply 1990s rules and i think i'm going to tie my point in with yours right to today right right you're not looking at what is the market today? Where are we today in the pinball market? And you're, you're not looking at the failures of these other companies trying to do an original theme. I think the most successful original theme in the last 10 years was TNA. Right. And they sold, what, a thousand maybe of those? <laughs> like, I remember yeah, the first I mean, round was like 500. Astound- yeah. That's probably a huge yeah. hit because they didn't have to pay licensing. So that was like, right. 
but that's like one out of a, a number of them that didn't work out. Right. Um, the other thing is like going to internet pinball database. <laughs> Again, this is something yeah. that you went to in maybe the late 2000s or early 2010s. Like, right. I it was just like, where, when I first heard that, I didn't hear the IPD is like, where is he pulling those numbers from? Like, if you go to Pinside, which is what everybody's using, sponsor the show, and uh, <laughs> you look at the top 10, it's Godzilla, number one, license, Jurassic Park. Number two, license. Three is Medieval Madness, which is, to your point, nostalgia. Has that mm -hmm. baked in nostalgia? Number four is Attack from Mars, baked in nostalgia from the 90s. Then we get to five, Deadpool. Then we get to Iron Maiden, six. Then we get to Elvira, seven. Then we get to Foo Fighters, eight, which is, that's crazy. Lord of the Rings, nine. And then Monster Bash, ten. So I think that's a way more, if you're going to try to justify it, that's a way more, that, that's more of the market is on mm -hmm. Pinside using Pinside and rating things. That's what you got to look at. So how many of those out of 10 are actually original themes? One, two, three. There's three, and they're all from the 90s. <clears throat> One called. of the things Dave did, too, was that he counted medieval, or uh, Attack from, God, what's wrong with me? Uh, Monster Bash as an original theme. That's a licensed correct. game. That's, correct. That's it is a 100%. It's a, a, a licensed game. Universal so Monsters licensed game. Yeah, exactly. It's so, not an yeah, original I, game. I, I, yeah, I, I went off he's saying and made the error. So there's only two. Technically, there's only two yep. out of 10. So right then and there, that's like where it's like that that you got to throw that out the door. Um, So we got the, the, the interesting part of that discussion as well was Dave... Um, cited like the the cost of a license right and, and this is an interesting discussion i don't know much about this at all he said like hypothetical cost of like a, a put in quotes a big ip he didn't define what that is is a million dollars um he calls it it needs to be paid up front before you even make the game dave says he they call it internally or he calls it quote unquote dead money because they have to pay that before they even start making the game then they're giving a, a time frame to bring it to market then there's the royalties you got to pay, you know, per game sold, and then there's like the back and forth of licenses. So, you know, that is that's why we're seeing, you know, that's the justification for why we're seeing these original themes. Um, lastly, he keep he brought it back. He keeps on saying that that um, you know we're a small company. American Pinball is a small company. It's like, well, yeah, but so is Spooky. Spooky is smaller. Spooky was able to do licensed games, and they only do licensed games now. So. Again, that rationality makes more sense. My my takeaway, combined with everything I said, is that I I think we've said this before. It's like they just want to do. I think it's like this feeling like, oh, I like original themes. I know some other people that like original themes. I'm going to do original themes for this company. Um, yeah. And the question is, how many games do they have to sell on original theme to make it sustainable in the long run? That that we don't know, right? Right. Um, that's that's where the question comes into play. Yeah, so address some of the, the feedback in chat. It is, uh, fronting a million dollars is not an easy task, right? Like, but you should be building your company on these original themes to the point where you can afford that. Like, that should be your goal, right? Let's get to that. If that's what it costs, then we'll use that to kind of take our business to the next level. And it's also, a building an original theme is not free. The, the the benefit you get with a license is that you get this whole world to work with and all of these assets that you don't have to create. When you do an original theme, you have to create absolutely everything by yourself. Uh, the the idea, what's going on, the art, 
the the look and feel, the sounds, absolutely everything. So you're you're kind of trading one thing for the other. In the end, it may end up being cheaper, but you have to spend so much more time building all of these extra assets that go into an original theme that doesn't have this built-in audience of yes, I take my money. I love this theme. Kevin, Kevin is one hundred percent correct, right? I, I think when I look at American Pinball. Uh, their first game is is Houdini, which is, I guess, an original theme. It, it is and it isn't, right? Like, Houdini, I, I don't know if they had to pay licensing for, for that or not, given the... I, I don't I know think, how that works. I think it was right? public domain, like, at this <laughs> right. point. Exactly. Where, well, but that's, yeah. a, that's a smart thing to do, right? When you're growing, like, here's something people recognize. Like, oh, Houdini magic, cool, I kind of get the idea. Uh, let's run with that. Yeah, so it's like, okay, this is this is smart. Like, do that. Get something that people know, Houdini, everybody knows Houdini, right? But like build off that, get the base hits so then you can get the doubles, triples, and then the home run, right? Leading up to a license. Um, Houdini came out when? 2015, 14, 16, right? Like they've not not done that the way that I look at Spooky and like, you know, for all the the Spooky people who, who get mad at me, I praise Spooky all the time. Like what Charlie did is fantastic, right? Right, like... Charlie got the base hits. Charlie built up to that point where he's getting licenses. So, again, Dave uses the example of a million dollars for a quote-unquote big IP. Don't get a big IP. Or, you know, do smaller ones that are recognizable and work work up to that so that you you can get there, you can grow, you can ensure that as soon as you announce the game, like what this new pinball company did, uh, Barrels of Fun, right, came out of nowhere, some, somehow had money, okay, never produced a game. They had money to get the license for Labyrinth. And David Bowie's smack on there, okay, right in the front. So they're able to do it. Barrels of Fun is a small company. Spooky's able to do it. Why can't AP do it? Because they're choosing not to. Or they're stuck in a thought process of, of, of that, right? So that's the context. That's the reaction to that. Uh, again, i um, seen some interesting discussion in chat. But, Kevin, anything more to add? I, I... Um, yeah, it's just like, oh, uh we got a we got a super chat in uh, in chat. Thanks, James. Uh, he says original themes can work if done right, if done high end. Some themes are in public domain and can be had for nothing, such as Night of the Living Dead. Think pirates would sell because of the toys, no matter the theme. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So it's picking picking ideas that that people can connect to, even if it's not a specific license, right? Dude, Lovecraftian horror, mm-hmm. Cthulhu, right? Like that's. There's so many board games on there because it's public domain, but it's recognizable, right? Like you can do things like that. Again, I think American Pinball when they did Houdini was was a smart move out of the gate, not having to pay license fees. They still have, as as Kevin brings up, very importantly, like there's you still got to create all that content from scratch. You got to have a story kind of concept. They had to have those actors. They had to write lines, dialogue. Not that that probably took a lot of brain power, but like there's there's the costumes right that diverts from if you're a small company now you're now you're a production company you got to generate music for like there's a lot of work at least when you license you have some music you can work with so it's not it's not a black and white thing you've got to balance it out some things are easier some things are harder but there's a benefit to just paying cash for the license and then getting to focus on everything else just the rules the production of the game and getting it out and shipping and then going to the next one right and not to mention have being able to hire the creative people you need to develop a, 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 these are, these are art pieces. Like there's so much creativity that goes into a pinball machine on so many different levels in so many different areas of expertise that you would need to hire to pull something off 
when you're climbing over this roadblock of an original theme to begin with. So I feel like when it's an original theme, you have everything you execute has to be like exponentially better than if it's built on a license that people already love. Like it has to be like knock everything absolutely out of the park to really kind of get over that. Well, it's an original theme, but oh, oh, this is really good, right? Um, so you have to kind of go back, get the creative people. You're competing with all of these other companies. There's so many people making pinball right now that probably have higher uh, uh, budgets for salaries. You know, Stern and, and JJP, I'm sure, can afford to pay their designers more than an American pinball can, right? But just because they have bigger productions and they're, they've built their their uh, their organizations up to a, to a bigger level at this point. So you're competing with them in the same market for the same uh, level of talent when you're trying to build these products that you're kind of like, like, all right, like I, I like Nick's uh, Nick's sports analogy. Kudos to Nick for the sports analogy of, of getting your bases, base hits and your doubles before you get your home runs. I think I think that stated it well. Yeah. Um, so I have some numbers to put some, you know, quantitative of what we can. And I pull these from Pinside. We try to compare. I'm going to compare American pinball games versus spooky games, right? Because like, we'll put them in the smaller company category, even though I think I mean, American pinball is a better manufacturer of games in terms of quality and, and should be able to, they should be like, be able to, to really crush spooky. They should be able to, all right. They got a parent company. There's gotta be more money there. There's no reason that they can in my mind. And then also uh, what I didn't bring up is like the, just the competition out there these days is fierce. I mean, 2023, there's a lot of games. Now you've got barrels of fun has entered the chat, you know, proverbially speaking, so now you've got to compete against another one. So you got to, like, you can't fuck around at this point. You just can't, just because you want to do it and, like, doing it, like, you got to, like, think about the longevity. So here's here's the last few games from both companies. So Legends of Valhalla, on, according to Pinside, and we're going to, here's the asterisk. This doesn't mean how many games are actually sold by the company, right? These are self-reported. I didn't even look at location. I just put collectors because that's typically much higher than location games. Um, but my, my thinking here too, is that especially with American pinball games, um, most of the people who own it are probably on pin side versus like, you know, people who buy Elton John are, are just like, they're the casual people. A lot of things are just not going to be reported on that. So I think the accuracy is more in line with like original theme games on pin side than a game like Elton John or star Wars, where you've got just Johnny come lately buying it. Right. Okay, so Legends of Valhalla was 128 sold. They they're claiming that they actually sold out of their original limited 250 run. It's not they, they lied about it being original limited because you can still buy it today. Um, right. So 100 128. So that's I mean that's actually like so then almost half the people are in pin side or self reporting on pin side for who bought it. Right. Uh, and maybe that's even just maybe those haven't already are in the hands of people that. They might have just sold to distributors, and distributors are sitting on Legends of Valhalla. So keep that in mind as well. They can count that as sold. Distributors have to buy the game and then actually sell it. And if these games don't sell, do you think the distributor is going to buy the next unlicensed game from American Pinball? They've got limited space and limited money as well. These these things factor into everything. Um, so that's Legends of Valhalla, 128. Okay, I maybe that's good. I I don't know. GTF though. 35 of the deluxe edition and then 43 of the limited edition. It's been out almost a year now. That's not, that cannot that be good. Not good. No. They had to have lost money on that. 
Yeah. Right. So this goes back to the rumor and why might they be talking to investors? They spent time on this board. I cannot imagine they had a good year. I didn't listen to this podcast. I guess Dave was on one where he was asked to rate the company in 2023. He gave them a C. I don't. I don't know why. I've, I've listened to enough pinball podcasts this week alone. I'm good. <laughs> so okay. So th- that's that. Now you look at Spooky. The last couple of games, uh, Scooby Doo, four hundred five of the collector's wow. edition. Wow. Okay, now how does that balance out between the license fees and sold? I've got to imagine they're good. Right. I've got to imagine. I'm not even counting. There's 21 Bloodsuckers and 7 Standard. Then I look at Halloween. There were 467 CEs, 55 Bloodsuckers, 27. Again, they're this smaller company that's, that, you know, Charlie didn't have the backing of another company has been able to do this on license alone. Okay, they, they're, they're strapped with resources. And then TNA, TNA is self-reported uh, 393, and then the CE is 109. Um, the more interesting thing in here is like, like, look at JJP with Godfather. Now this is this is concerning because JJP with Godfather is 112 for the LE and 240 for the CE. So that those are not good numbers. Wow. Yeah, no. Given um, you know they're a, a larger company than American Pinball, probably not by a ton. Um, but certainly they had to pay for the Godfather license, so they've got to sell a lot more. Now, again, I'm going to come back to my, my earlier point where they might have sold a lot more Godfathers to just the general public who will never be on pin side, right? And that might be the only game they have because they love Godfather, they're super rich, whatever. Right. You know, the the most people, that doesn't apply to people buying Legends of Ahal. They're, they're pinball nerds who are just super plugged into the industry. That's mostly their customers. Does that make sense, everybody? I hope I, I did my best to explain the thought process and analysis behind that. Yeah, it it, it definitely felt like <laughs> you, I, I I was telling Nick about listening to the the pinball news, pinball magazine interview with Dave, and they just like they just kind of let him go, and the more they let him go, the like more kind of sketchy his responses got, and like I don't know, it just felt like like why are you saying all of this like. Get on, say what you got to say, and then, and then move on. Like, um, I don't know. Just uh, on the podcast you heard, what, what yeah. was it? The the, the pinball magazine, the pinball one? news, pinball news oh, podcast. Okay. Yeah, uh, it was the longer interview. So okay. I don't know. I don't know if he did himself many favors by going on the podcast, but uh, what I don't did know. you hear on that one that was concerning? Well, it, there was a lot of the same thing. I, I think just the 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 thing about his kind of rationale for developing this board set was that he's a collector and that in 30 years he wants, he wants his American pinball owners to know that they'll be able to replace their board sets now that they're manufacturing their own board sets, which was kind of like, how is there any more guarantee that AP will be around in 30 years right. making board sets that multimorphic? There's no, there's no, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, yep. If anything, you would think there's probably in 30 years from now, there will probably likely be more multimorphic board sets because there's more manufacturers using them. Like Multimorphic uses them. Spooky has used them. Um, American Pinball used them up until now. I think there's one or two other ones. So there's, and the resources will be out there that people will know how to fix these. If any, if past, uh, you know, hobbyists have been any indication, like they've been able to keep uh, machines running from highway and stuff like they, the original aliens, because people in the community figure it out. Um, so I don't know that that was a good rationale for spending a year of your company's time developing a new board set. Uh, to one of the comments in chat earlier, 
made that made a lot more sense uh, from what I saw from Dave. He said, you know, Aimtron wants a product to put their boards in on a consistent basis. To, that makes sense. Like your parent company, they want to be able to sell these boards and put them in a product and produce them and make money off of these boards doing what they do. That makes sense. Providing boards to a collector in 30 years, that makes no sense to me, especially when a traditional pinball company's business, like it's their job to sell new pinball machines. It doesn't do them any, aside from like the, the margin they would make on a selling a board set, what they, they do much better selling you a brand new pinball machine than, than keeping your existing pinball machine running. Uh, so like, that was one of the things that stood out to me. Like that doesn't really make any sense. I mean, Dave did point out in uh, the pinball pro. I mean, he said that too, but he he did point out that um, you know, Aintron does manufacture boards, so it, it does make sense for them to be doing their own boards. I I I do get that. Yeah, totally. Right? Like that's, yeah. um, yeah. I I don't I don't know. I just yeah. I don't know how that helps me in the, in the short term, right? <laughs> right like right. If, if they are, in, if, and it just goes back to the rumor that they they might be in trouble. And then going back to the interview, there's nothing that was said there that. Sh- dispels that rumor for me right right it didn't land he didn't land the jump of dispelling that exactly i don't know that yeah i don't know that he necessarily you know solved that pr issue of uh they may or may not be looking for a buyer when when he goes on the show and then he says yeah we're looking for investors yeah <laughs> like exactly is that really and that why much are you different? looking for investors right, exactly. like if it's if, if it's if it's all good you would just say hey yeah here's why Right. right. Like, so, yeah, to the, to the point of, you know, we were talking about multimorphic earlier, you know, walk to walk, don't just talk to talk, show us that, you know, you're good. Show us how you're going to make improvements. I think that's what they were trying to do with the, the hiring announcement and the board announcement. Like, oh yeah, we're improving. We're good. We're investing all this into the product still, but it's, uh, I don't, I don't know that he convinced everybody. I think, I think he may, he may have done the, he may have like stemmed the tide a little bit. In the short term, but in the long term, I don't think I don't think he's squashed those concerns. Well, the, and the day doesn't matter what the concerns are. It's like you just got to sell games. Is right. your next game going to sell? Right. right? Like, I, I I think that I would have liked if I'm if I'm an American pinball fan. And listen, I want this company to succeed. I want I, they're they're more more pinball. I want to see them succeed and grow and mature. Right. So I have more options as a consumer. There's no doubt about that. I would have been like, I would have been well more reassured. It's, it's yeah, you know, we really went for it. We wanted to, everybody else is doing licensed themes. So sometimes in the marketplace to differentiate yourself, you, you need to try something different. Right. And, and, um, we're able to save money on license and we really went for it with GTF and it looks like the marketplace didn't respond like we hope they would. So therefore our next game will be a licensed one. And we're going to try to balance, we're going to try to find a balance, right? We want to reach those, uh, in the market that want a, an original theme because no one's really doing it. But we do recognize that the market demand is for licensed themes, and they're the ones that typically make the most money. And I would have been like, okay, great. Great strategy. Makes sense. But now I think, what's the rumor? We're going to get Food Truck, another unlicensed game? Like, I mean, yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> food Truck and Cuphead has been another one that's been batted around, which <laughs> well, that could be one of your like your smaller licenses, right? I don't know how much crossover sure. there is with, with indie, pin, indie video game fans and pinball yeah. buyers, but at least it's a it's something they can work with. Uh, and another rumor that, uh, somebody told me on the, on the down low is that, uh, apparently power Rangers might be one that they have, which would be to me, that's a bigger license. Um, I don't, it doesn't, doesn't kind of hit the nostalgia button for me because, uh, power Rangers, like I was, I feel like I was like too old for that by the time it kind of became a, a thing, but 
I can see it being popular with a certain segment of the pinball buying audience for sure. That's yeah, something. I don't. Yeah, I mean, like I, yeah, I agree with that, Kev. Yeah, it's something. So, yeah. Uh, so hopefully they can move to that and keep things going. But yeah, hiring, developing a board set and hiring a uh, service tech, not exactly huge groundbreaking news. Sorry. So I will. I will say this. This is not a radical statement. This is almost like a throwaway statement. But it's if I had. Fuck you, money and a limited money in space. I would buy a GTF for the lulls. <laughs> I, I would support I would, you but, that, but I wouldn't. But just so you know, like, I'm I'm serious. I think there's something there. It's not the itch I I really want to scratch. But like, I wouldn't buy a Punny Factory. I wouldn't buy a Thunderbirds. You know, I wouldn't buy whatever that Turner Pinball thing that a monstrosity. So like. Yeah, I I would, but the, also like the the truth of the matter is I don't have unlimited money, I don't have unlimited space. Neither do you, Kevin, and so you're competing against all these other games that are just eating its lunch, right? So that's that's the challenge, that's the issue, that's the point of having this conversation. Um, yeah. I also don't have a full time service tech for to keep Galactic Tank Force running, so that's 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 why you need unlimited money. That's that's why I just have hire uh, Matt to just live at my house and keep the game running. All right. Uh, I think we've said enough on American Pinball. Uh, more to come on that, I'm sure. Let's uh, let's talk about some mods you don't need. Uh, the, this is one of my new favorite segments on the show. So let me uh, let me switch over to uh, mod you don't need. Number one, uh, I feel like this is second only to Luma Legs. This came up uh, 22 days ago on Pinside. It's the Pin Signal mod. Nick, have you seen the Pin Signal mod? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> I have not, Kevin. But now you have. have. And what do you think of this one? Just describe to the the listeners at home what we're seeing. Uh, I mean, the name is pretty accurate. So it looks, it projects like an image of the game, like the icon of the game on the floor. So, like, let's say you have a me- medieval madness in the basement, and the uh, giant back glass that's illuminated, and everything else on it, and the side and the cabinet are. Let's think you're like. How will people ever know what this game is? Well, you can also project the Medieval Madness logo on the floor. Oh my you can, god. You, you, you can do that. <laughs> you can do that. Uh, the best part is like you don't really see the product itself, so I don't know what this looks yeah. like on the bottom of your cabinet. So, and how easy is it to remove if you want to, when you sell the game, because you don't want to be shoving uh, a game into your car to move it with a projector on the bottom of it. And do I have to drill holes in the bottom of my cabinet to attach this? And yeah, yeah, so when you're standing there, is it projecting on your feet? It's going to project on your feet. Yep. Yep. It's definitely like going to do that. Weird. That's a, That's the innovation you need. So there you go. That's uh, don't waste your money. I mean, if you want to go ahead, but the uh, file this under mods, you don't need. Uh, How one much of my is pe- it? Uh, let's see. A uh, hundred dollars plus shipping. It's his target. It's not extravagant pricing. I'll give it that much compared to half the nonsense out there. What's interesting, though, Kevin, is that um, we got a lot of OCD in the pinball hobby. (laughs) Unofficially not diagnosed. But, like, the problem is if you have a large collection, you put it on just a couple games, it's going to look weird. Some have it. Why do some not? Are the other ones broken that don't have it? Right? It's weird. I need need a... uh... Uh, what is this? What's this called? The pin signal that for my P3 that changes with every game that I swap to it. You know, so I'm yeah. I'm flipping through my uh, mm-hmm. my P3 uh, home screen, swapping games. I need I mean my pin signal to match. Otherwise, why bother? You know what I mean? Shout out to the chat for Gleno five seven zero writes 
I like the idea of Alvira's face frightened for when I play naked. <laughs> right under I, your feet. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. From the view directly below. I love oh, it. Jesus. God. <laughs> All right. Well, I got one more for this month. So let's let's do mod you don't need number two. And this comes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's the Jaws the Pinball Eater mod. Uh, here you go. <laughs> God, look at this thing. Uh, you can uh, put a... Oh, that's hideous. Uh, <laughs> that is fucking... Are you serious? That's that's how it looks? Uh, I think this is a mock-up, but okay. that's, All right. Fair that's enough. how it's going to look. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Come on. Just <laughs> play the game and move on. <laughs> if you need a game that eats the ball, there are plenty of games that eat the ball. Except the fact that Jaws does not eat the ball and move on. Okay, can we do that, please? Don't don't put holes in your machine. Right it in the dumpster. It doesn't need the ball. Garbage game. Move on. Zero out, zero out of ten. I like this graphic. That's how it's going to work. It goes, ball goes in the shark's mouth. Ball goes out the shark. You laugh, Kevin, but this this mod maker is going to make a fucking mint. Well, that's the thing. He's too. laughing like, all the way to the bank. Yeah, you look at the, the responses are like, sign me up. I need yep. it. Oh, my God. I I just emailed you for a quantity of two for Ellie. Make the... Make this. I'm interested in premium Ellie. Put me down for a premium. Oh my god, dude! Next, we're gonna see Stern is purposely not gonna have like the most obvious like toy uh, feature, but you can buy it from them. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Oh god, what a time to be alive! <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So there you go. That's uh, that's mods you don't need uh, for this month. Uh, Nick Lane, uh, let's check in uh, as part of our game room updates. What have you been playing the most? All right, I'm going to tell you what I've been playing, and then I'm going to run the bathroom while you're telling what <laughs> you've been playing. It's two, two bathroom breaks for Nick this podcast, man. All right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, this is like a Larry David. Like, he's been track how many times I've gone to the bathroom. <laughs> well, I, I, I switched back to the camera, and you were gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit, Nick's gone. Nick's at the bathroom. It's a safe bet where yeah. I am. Uh, yeah, so I, I've, I've not been playing a lot of pinball lately. Uh, I have been playing a little Godzilla. A little bit when I the few games I played, I played a couple um, uh, Godfather, but not a lot of pinball. I've been like super into VR. I rebuilt my computer, just put a fourteenth uh, gen Intel in, and oh, uh, put all kinds of fancy lighting in my case. So I was a big boy. Shout out to uh, Dave Sousa and, and Matt Taylor for being my my moral guidance as I did that. But I was a big boy and I did it and. Uh, just been playing uh playing a ton of VR. I'm playing a game called Racket Club in VR. I actually joined a league for it, and I'm in last place with my brother as a doubles partner. But I'm having a blast. That game's amazing. Definitely recommend it. Um, but yeah, that's nice. uh, that's 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 what I've been doing. Nice. Yeah, I've been playing. Like I said, I've been playing a lot of Godfather with this latest code update. It's been uh, here. I gotta by Nick. Nick's leaving. Um. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Godfather with the new code update. It keeps me hitting the start button. My scores are like way in the dumpster because it's super hard now uh, with all these uh, crazy ball savers. But I love it. It's uh, it's got me playing the game more. Uh, it's a better game now that they've they've tweaked the, the code. So I've uh, been playing that a lot. Godzilla also. That game, no surprise, is amazing. The more I play it, the more I love it. So uh, I don't see that game going anywhere for a long time. Uh, super fun game and uh roadshow is the newest game that's it's one of the big changes in my my game room is that i've kind of had the urge to mix things up in the game room so i decided i kind of looked at the lineup and i'm like hmm, what's it gonna be 
uh, and dialed in kind of, uh, it was staring at me going, you've had me for seven years. You beat me from start to finish with, without baby mode on. Uh, I think it's time to move on as much as I do love me some dialed in. Uh, it was time to, to move it on because you know, it, it, keeping a game is fun, but like, I love it, but if I'm not playing it, why keep it? Right. So, um, I, I decided to, I was going to list it. I got a bunch of interest in it and I traded, uh, dialed in for a very nice roadshow plus cash. Uh, roadshow is one of those games that I've always kind of wanted, but it, um, they, there aren't very many around here. So I don't have much time on it. I've enjoyed the time I've played it. And now that I have it at home, it's super fun. The one I got is really nice. It has a uh, color DMD on it. It's got pin sound in it. Cause I know that's one of the big, you know, when people talk about Rocha, they're like, oh my God, the music, it's got country music in it. Oh my God. So you can turn it into jukebox mode if you want to have it play like Queen and Michael Jackson and all sorts of crazy crap. It's terrible, but at least it's in there. Um, the nice thing about the pins out is it improves the sound quality overall. So it's kind of nice. Um, and it also has like LED, it's fully LED'd out, LED OCD. The previous owner was somebody who takes really good care of his game. So he'd gone through it all. It, it all works really well. I'm super happy with it. And it, it's a really fun game. It's also got the, the ROM in it that allows you to mix up the rules. So it doesn't always have to be like the East Coast to West Coast thing. You can kind of play modes at random. So you get to see more of the game and, and not always have that same experience when you boot it up. So uh, very happy with that game. We'll see. Could end up being one that I keep around for a while and then it goes. Could end up being a long-term keeper. We'll see. So, but I'm enjoying it for now. Um, so that's what I've been playing. Also, the, the P3 is always in the rotation. I actually, I had Final Resistance in there for the longest time because I had convinced myself this is absolutely the best P3 game. I love this game. It's amazing. And then they put a Weird Al update out and I was like, all right, let me put Weird Al back in and I'll check it out. And I'm like, wait a minute, this game's amazing too. I love this game. So uh, that's kind of the thing about the P3 is like you take a game out and you fall in love with, you know, whatever's in there and you're having a good time. And then you put one of the other games back in here, kind of reignites that, that love for the game that you that you had before you, you swapped it out. So that, that keeps things fresh, which is cool. Um, some other things I've been working on. So last month I listed my big buck for sale. Um, cause I want to like bring my console game collection down here. And I decided I was sell big buck to make room for it. And I had somebody coming over to pick it up. Uh, so I fired it up when he was on the way over and it wouldn't boot <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. So I, you know, turned off and back on a couple of times. I'm like, what's going on? Did some troubleshooting and it ends up being, there's an issue with the motherboard. So I ordered a replacement motherboard off of eBay and I put it in and everything worked except for the sound. The sound didn't work. So I contacted the eBay seller and saying, did you test the sound on this before you shipped it to me? And he goes, he sends me these pictures and he's like, oh Yeah look, it powers on. It's fine. I was like, but did you test the sound? Like, how did you test the sound? And then he never wrote me back and he just gave me a refund because he didn't test the sound. Uh, but he was trying to get me to, to kind of fall for it that, um, it was a tested and working board, but it's like, Nope, give me my money back. So now I have a third one on the, on the way that hopefully will be here early next week that I can swap in. And I do have somebody else who's interested in it. The original buyer still might be interested. So, um, hopefully that'll move its way out. And I, I have my new shelving unit to put together to, uh, to house all my, my console games. So that'll be cool. Um, so that's going on. And the other thing I did was I, the Neo Geo that is behind my head right now. Um, I recapped the monitor on that. I made a list of, uh, some of the winter projects I wanted to tackle. That was on there. Uh, I wanted to keep the, the monitor looking good. And, uh, after 30 ish years of, of that being in 
in uh, operation, it was time to take it to that one. So uh, a cap kit on the, the K7000 monitors in there is easy enough to do. Um, so I did that, uh, and it's, it's looking and working good. I didn't I didn't blow it up. So mission accomplished, recapped monitor, didn't electrocute myself, didn't blow up my game. So win-win all around. Um, and that's about it for uh, the game room updates. Um, Vic, anything else before we pull our raffle winners? I don't think so. As always, I appreciate. I mean, we had a lot of listeners um, on on Twitch and on YouTube, so really grateful for the active. You guys are awesome in the chat. I love I love seeing everybody in there having a conversation, as always. So just uh, consider me grateful. Yeah, between the two uh, channels, we have 112 viewers right now, so that's pretty solid. So appreciate everybody <laughs> tuning in. If you're on Twitch, Twitch only gets to enter our our chat because our uh, our giveaways because my my robot doesn't like YouTube. Um, so if you're on YouTube and you want to enter to win, jump on in and uh, enter, type hashtag win in chat. This is your last chance. Now we're up to 50 entries. Thanks, everybody. So, uh, Nick, run again through what we're giving away while we give folks a last last minute chance to win. Okay, so we got a Penn Stadium Neo from Penn Stadium, valued at $399. Boom. And then we've also got from flipping out, Pinball, we've got Stern Jurassic Park player mat valued at nine hundred or ninety dollars, and then a also a Avengers Affinity Quest pinball art side blades accessory. Uh, very grateful for our our, our sponsors. We're going to be doing giveaways every podcast. That's the plan. So tune in, tune in live. You get rewarded. And again, uh, if you're a Twitch subscriber, you get double the chance to uh, win our giveaway. So. As a thank you for being a subscriber to the channel, you get extra entry into the uh, to the raffles every month during the podcast. So here we go. We're going to give this away now. We're going to draw an entry. The first one will be for the set of Pin Stadium lights. Here we go. It's Arcade Hunters. Arcade Hunters. I just saw him in chat. Uh, do you accept? <laughs> I, I think that's a yes. He gave a surprise. So. Congratulations to Arcade Hunters. We will go ahead and say yeah, that there you, you go. accept that. Okay. The drawing up next. Lounge. Lounge, you are the winner of the, this is the player mat, the Jurassic Park player mat from Flipping Out Pinball. Congratulations, Lounge. And then our third one will be for the Avengers. He's here. Uh, he or she is here. The lounge. We'll, we'll put that as an accept. And then our final giveaway for the set of Avengers Infinity Quest side blades, courtesy of Flipping Out Pinball. Let's go ahead. Turbo Graphics Seven. Holy crap! I know he's a former owner of Avengers. I don't know if he's if he's still got it, but we're gonna go ahead and say that he is a gonna go ahead and accept that too. So thanks and congratulations to everybody for participating. Thanks so much for all of our Twitch subscribers. Thanks to our partners who give us these awesome prizes to give away. And uh, I think that's it. If you haven't yet, don't go anywhere though. Don't go anywhere. We have Topper Talk, the, the, the moment you've been waiting for, Topper Talk coming up. But before that, uh, thanks to everybody who subscribes to us on Twitch as a way to uh, support the channel. Uh, you can use your Prime gaming account to give us a free sub every month with your uh, paid Twitch Prime sub or your Amazon Prime sub. You can follow us on our all our social media channels. You can email us at talkpinball at gmail.com. If you want to 
another way you can support the the channel is by giving a uh, a check out to our merch, uh, buffalopinball.com. Click the merch button. You can see all the shirts and and swag we have available there. You can just and, give up. Make sure you give a thumbs up right yeah. on on YouTube. Right, help the algorithm. That's what you got to say. This you got to do this. When people say that, I I tend to do it because I forget otherwise. But if you yeah. enjoy the content, help other people find it. Help us reach an audience. Like, comment, and subscribe. Do all the things to That's engage right. it. Let 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 the let the robots know that you like this, so other That's people right. can like it too. Uh, another, th- but you can also review us on your podcast platform of choice. All right. Uh, so in the meantime, enjoy this episode of Tiger for Tag, and we will see you next month. Bye, y'all. It's Topper Talk with Gorin right now. Let's all have some fun. This is about plastic on top of your pin. Go and buy one now. There's a topper here and a topper there. Here a topper, there a topper, everywhere a topper. It's critical to the gameplay experience. You must buy one now. It's your monthly fill of toppers right now. Topper Talk with Gorin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Topper Talk with Gorin, the part of the podcast where Kevin and Nick give me about three to five minutes to talk about everything happening in the very active and profitable Topper community. Today, we'll be talking about the two different toppers for the two different editions of Jersey Jack Pinball's brand new pinball machine, Elton John. So let's head into the office and talk about that now. So here we are in the office, so let's jump into reviewing the Elton John toppers from Jersey Jack Pinball. We're first going to look at the topper for the Platinum Edition of the game, which uh, the Platinum Edition is a new type of edition from Jersey Jack Pinball that replaces the Limited Edition line of games, and it retails for $12,000. But for Elton John, it does come with the topper, which is great. I love toppers that come with the game that you don't have to pay extra for. So this is um, dual-layered acrylic with with LEDs. Um, It's nothing too interactive, but it flows very nice with the art package. It overall enhances that uh, art experience that you get with the game. It's not repeated art from down below. It's something different and new. And overall, I think it looks great. Now where the topper really shines is on the collector's edition, which this topper comes with the $15,000 edition of the game, but it's really great looking. You have the superstar letters at the bottom that light up and interact with the game, dual LCD screens that have different footage from what's on the back box being played that interacts with the game, as well as there's a laser that projects up on the ceiling different lights. Um, and I've seen it in person at IAPA, and it just looks great. I, I love it. I think it's a great topper, um, especially for it to come with the addition is awesome. My biggest concern is that people have uh, ceiling heights that are different. Some can't fit a topper. Some are way too high and that laser light may not shine well on a super high ceiling. Although I will say from what I've seen, it looks pretty powerful. And we have this video here from Loser Kid Pinball that shows it in action. Um, It just looks really great. I love it. I think they did a great job. We can see the, uh, you know, projecting on the ceiling as well as different imagery on the LCD, as well as the superstar letters lighting up. It really looks great. So way to go, Jersey Jack Pinball. Congratulations. I love that both models of the game have a topper, which is awesome. Um, And I can't wait to see what you come up with next. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Topper Talk with Gorin. Tune into the next podcast for another episode. And as always, get out there and buy a topper. Thank you for coming to my Topper Talk. (music) 